I'm Dr. Michael Gizondi, Vice Chair of Education in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Stanford University. And this is Infodemic, a Stanford conference on social media and COVID-19 misinformation. Infodemic was a virtual conference that took place on August 26, 2021, in which leaders in public health, medicine, ethics, and social media discussed ways to mitigate the COVID-19 misinformation, disinformation infodemic. This single season podcast will feature all of the infodemic sessions as individual episodes. The following is one of the conference presentations entitled COVID-19 and the Distrust of Healthcare. The presenter was my colleague, Dr. Italo Brown, Assistant Professor in the Department of Emergency Medicine at Stanford University. He's an expert in health equity and racial injustice, and his talk was really wonderful. Enjoy. Hello. Hi, I'm Dr. Italo Brown. I'm an assistant professor in emergency medicine at Stanford. Such a pleasure to be here today. Today, I'm going to be talking to you all about vaccine hesitancy and the distrust of healthcare. And before I start, I always say I'm bringing greetings from Stanford University, the Department of Emergency Medicine, and a huge shout out to Mike Jasandi for being an excellent colleague and for having the insight to lead such a conversation through this platform of infodemic. I also usually begin by giving what I would consider to be a trigger warning. I believe that these conversations can have a sensitive nature. And so let's exercise a little bit of grace with one another. I acknowledge that I have biases as a male, uh, as also a person who is of Black origin. So my conversation today may come from a place of bias. And I just ask that as we all navigate our own biases, give me a little bit of grace in that conversation. All right. So big numbers that we need to know right now is 72 percent. Right. So 72 percent of the U.S. adult population is considered vaccinated. But when you start to look at the demographics and break that down from a uh, race or ethnic lens, you see that about 50 percent of that number are white. And according to the KFF or Kaiser Family Foundation on August 16th, we have uh, less than 50 percent of black, Hispanic and white people receiving that dose. But 1.4 times is the biggest magnitude. When you look at Black people specifically, we are 1.4 times less likely to be vaccinated or whites have a 1.4 times greater likelihood of being vaccinated. And you start to wonder, like, what really is at the core of this issue? And what we talk about is this lingering theory or thought of vaccine hesitancy and maybe even that that is due to embedded distrust of the healthcare system. That question has come up over and over, and I'm going to share some insight with you all today about why that distrust exists and why vaccine hesitancy is a real thing. You know, we can't continue to gaslight communities of color around this topic. So for the next 12 minutes or so, we're going to explore that topic together. So when we think about the roots of distrust, I want you to factor in all of the lived experiences, like generational lived experiences of people of color. All right. So you can't start in the last hundred years. You have to really go back from a historical context point to take inventory of all of the different events where black lives and black bodies were devalued. So if we did that, you know, we could start with the slave trade where in general, black bodies were considered subhuman and it created a baseline for behavior for America. And then you see several instances over the next 300 to 400 years where Black bodies were mutilated, experimented on, and eventually told that they were less than the average human in order to justify practices, right? So 1845 to 1849, this is just a brief history. 1845, 1849, James Marion Sims, father of OBGYN. You've heard of him before. 
Uh, those procedures were often practiced on black women without anesthesia, using the underlying premise that black women or black people in general didn't feel pain. 1850s to 1890s, the robbing of Negro grave sites, uh, of, of cadavers from Negro grave sites in the Medical College of Georgia. This happened. And then the more common one that most people are familiar with is the Tuskegee syphilis study. The misconception is that the federal government was giving syphilis to these subjects when in actuality they were withholding treatment. And so everything we know about syphilis, specifically the full extent of it, comes from watching older black men or black men in the South deteriorate while withholding the treatment. I can go on and on about the legacy of distrust and abuse of black bodies, but that creates the bedrock for this distrust. And and it doesn't stop there. Like currently, we still see elements of mistreatment in the medical system. So it would make complete sense to know that black communities have a lasting and lingering distrust of healthcare, of healthcare providers, of the systems and institutions that have supported it. And it's really a matter of compounding that distrust with things like racism or race baked into the medical education system, and not to mention social determinants of health as a modifier of uh, the different distrust and hesitancy. So it deepens it, right? That's what we went into a pandemic with. And so where we're left now is fighting what I consider to be the misinformation Olympics, right? There are communities that have access to adequate information. And then there are communities that are at a disadvantage to having good information and trusted messengers, as well as having real-time fact check. So I'm going to explore a couple of things with that in a sec. We have to acknowledge that source matters here. When messages were immediately coming out around COVID-19, think back to, I would say, like February, March. Within the Black community, there was a general belief that we were immune to this illness, right? And I think that that was partially because there were no reported cases or things that we could see where people of color were being found to have this disease, right? We were thinking about it in a very modular, myopic way. But that is also partially due to the way that media portrays people of color. And not having the full access to it gives us the roots of that misinformation as well. Now, as we explore it a little deeper, understand that Having trusted messengers, people who can interpret messaging, who can deliver adequate, truthful information is a commodity. It is a rarity and it's scarce in black communities. We often have fewer people of color in medicine. Four percent is the going number between four and five percent. We often have fewer people who are participating in scientific research, fewer grant funded people. So the, the communicators, the people who can actually break down this information are not at an abundance. The other thing is, in communities of color, we have a weird relationship or tug of war between faith and fact. We're often put in a position where we have to rely on our faith without having sufficient information and fact. And I was on Clubhouse one time, and this conversation essentially erupted, where people were feeling as though their faith was going to get them through this, this pandemic. And when you communicate with people of color, when you communicate specifically with the black community, you have to honor that both can exist. And so born out of that relationship, there was often a little bit of struggle. And then finally, our culture tends to be very viral. And I mean that in the sense of how we have traditionally passed messages. We know that oral tradition is a feature of a lot of longstanding civilizations. And in black communities, 
oral tradition is as common to us as, as knowing, you know, the sound that a hot comb makes when you put it on a stove or as inherent to us as realizing how to do double dutch or any of those things that come with our culture. So when we learn stories, when we learn about information, it's often passed down a chain. And just like the childhood game of telephone, that information can change and transmogrify. So we struggle because that chain of information very seldom has fact checkers, people who we trust who can give us adequate information in the languages with a sense of cultural competency and linguistic appropriateness tailored to the black community. So the messages end up being distorted. And then there's finally the viral nature of memes and social media where it can travel faster. They say what the saying is that a lie will travel faster than the truth or the truth will stand still in tying its shoes while a lie travels. That is so prevalent and we have a difficult time catching up with truth. And the last part is the illusion of equity. So this idea that equity is truly actualized. I don't want to dismiss the efforts of all of our healthcare workers, of all of the public health community in trying to create an equitable environment for fighting COVID-19, which includes expanding access to the vaccine and for screening. But I would be remiss not to acknowledge that initial rollouts of vaccines, initial rollouts did not have equitable measures in place. And I'm talking about broadly because the furrows of the communities, the vulnerable communities often were displaced from the vaccine. I mean, we can look at examples such as in Philadelphia, where the vaccine rollout was basically handed to a 22-year-old young white man who had a startup and eventually was displaced from Black communities. We can also see examples in places like here in in the Bay Area. The Oakland Coliseum has about 40% of their doses that were given out at the Coliseum did not go to people who were indigenous to Oakland. So these issues, when you hear about them from the lens of a Black community member, it separates you from the idea that the system is working for you and that it is equitable. I think that it's important to acknowledge as well that we don't have enough people who are able to fight this fight. Fatigue has set in to some degree, and this allows us to miss the opportunities or this creates uh, missed opportunities to educate appropriate. So not having the resources, not having the capacity in an equitable fashion also leads to further distrust of healthcare and also increases vaccine hesitancy. So with the last three minutes that I have here, I just want to highlight three very important things that I think that anyone who accesses social media, calls themselves an influencer or chooses to be a medical professional that is skilled in delivering messages to communities that are vulnerable can actually employ. The number one thing that I would say is facilitate conversation around restorative justice. You've heard this word restore, restore, restoring trust. This happens through facilitated conversation. We acknowledge the wrongdoing. We make sure that it is on record or on wax, as we like to say in the community. Make sure that people know that there is significant distrust and a troubled relationship between specifically the black community and the healthcare system. And that it is warranted. And we understand that we're a part of the problem and can be a part of the solution. The second step is to identify and activate trusted messenger. So it's not enough to just say, hey, I know somebody who can who can speak that language. We need to mobilize and get those trusted messengers in front of people consistent so that they can deliver information in a way, in a tone and with a texture that is relevant to the communities that are seeing the greatest disease burden. And then finally, we have to amplify disruptive models. As I said, to really get through misinformation, you have to think creatively. 
to get through the resource issues, you have to think creatively. And these disruptive models can be anything from taking traditional settings of these conversations and putting them into community hubs, putting them in trusted spaces, or creating virtual touch points where communication can be open and people who are there can be vulnerable and not judged. So disruptive models of transmitting information are going to be the key. One thing that we've been able to do through barbershop-based health interventions, specifically with the group that I work with, Trap Medicine, under the leadership of Jamil Lacey, is in the South Central LA area, been able to address these things through having conversations around that and then amplifying on our social media So I say this to say we don't have a precedent for how to address these issues. But what we do know is that the energy is there. We are familiar with tactics that work. And we do have people who are committed and devoted to making sure that black communities are seen consistently and that the information is transmitted in a way that is equitable. And then finally, I believe that we are seeing a change in those trends as we get numbers that Delta variant continues to increase. The intrigue of the black community has also increased around this. You've seen young black men, myself, Dr. Jamie Rutland, have conversations with uh, Dr. Fauci, something that's never been done before. Two young black male physicians having a conversation with the world's leading expert on the pandemic. And that has impact. We've got to replicate those messages. We've got to be able to extend that. And everybody's capable of taking part. I'm Italo Brown, emergency physician, but most specifically, I'm a member of the community. I represent Trap Medicine, and I thank you all for coming to my talk today. Take care. Thanks for listening to this session of Infodemic, a Stanford conference on social media and COVID-19 misinformation. We invite you to listen to the other important discussions and presentations that occurred at the conference, each available as individual episodes of this podcast. All sessions are archived together. Just search Infodemic on the Academic Life and Emergency Medicine website, aliem.com, or through summer 2022 on our website, stanfordinfodemic.org. A video recording of the entire conference is available on the Stanford Department of Emergency Medicine YouTube channel and on our website. Thanks for joining us.